Good afternoon, my brothers and sisters who always follow me uh, on my Facebook, uh, YouTube, and also on WhatsApp. This is your brother Paul Offen. Today is the 1st of October 2019 and the time now in UK is 12 midday. I want to do this lesson in English because uh, some of my followers uh, on the English uh, tree language have requested that they want to hear this in English because not all of them understand the tree proper. So uh, it's the same topic that I've treated that I am you know, now doing it in English just to benefit those who uh, cannot understand the tree language. This lesson we have discussed from the past month and the title is the Holy Spirit. We started by saying that the Holy Spirit is God and he held the apostles to establish the lost church in Acts chapter 2. And he helped them to do many wonders, some of which is the speaking in tongues, also uh, the power of healing and a lot of miracles done by the apostles. And it's the Holy Spirit who helped them to do this. Now we've treated this lesson, but what we are now is to look into some of the uh, great miracles that the Holy Spirit used the apostles to do. And today we're going to discuss about one of them, which is very, very important, and which is the speaking in tongues. Because today we see many charismatic churches and the Pentecostal churches claiming that they, you know, can speak in tongues and perform some miracles. And because of that, sometimes we need to go into the scriptures and look into it and see how the apostles and also the early Christians uh, did this. When I say this, I mean how they spoke in tongues and also performed certain miracles. My brother, uh, who I love, I want you to understand certain things before I proceed to, uh, you know, talk about this. Now, it is important sometimes we need to look into some, uh, some uh, scriptural facts, which people have just, you know, ignored and thinking that everything is all right. Now, to become zealous with God or to become a lover of God doesn't mean that that can actually help you to go to heaven if you don't abide or if you don't obey the commands that God gives you. One thing that we read from the book of Romans chapter 10 verse 1 and 2 Paul was a wee bit concerned about 
his brothers, the Jews. I mean, because what he said is, in all things, you've seen that these Jewish brethren are very zealous with God. But he says, I'm praying for them to also be saved because they are very zealous of God, but they lack the knowledge. So you can be zealous with your God. But if you lack the knowledge, it means what you are doing is nothing. What do, you, what do I mean by if you lack the knowledge? You see, the Jewish people, we all know that they are highly religious people. But why is Paul saying that he's praying for them, for them to be saved? It's like you are requesting. It's, you know, uh, uh, pleading that these people should be saved. Why? Apart from them being zealous, there was something that was lacking. They do not have the knowledge about the word of God, which says that now we need to follow Jesus Christ to be saved because they were still following the law of Moses. So as I said, you can be very, very zealous about God, but if you lack what the scripture is saying you should do, all your seriousness is nothing. So that's the first point I want uh, to bring here. And the second point is, God always wants people to obey him. If you look at 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, God, through Samuel, told King Saul that God required your obedience rather than your sacrifice. And this is what is going on today in our religious cycles. People are doing what they feel, what they, they think, but not what the scripture says. Like King David, uh, uh, King Saul, God told him to go to this wall and destroy everything. But he felt that God liked sacrifice. So instead of destroying all these sheep and cattle, he brought the fat one saying that God wants sacrifice. So I'm going to sacrifice them for God. God was not happy that he did not obey his commandment that he gave him. And because of that, he lost his position as a king. There are so many instances in the scriptures where people do not follow God's instructions and they have been punished as a result of that. So please, don't take the commandment of law lightly. If God commands you to do something, please ensure that you follow to the latter. The reason why there are a lot of confusion in Christianity today and each one seems to be worshipping in his own direction is that We've done God's law somewhere and each of us is practicing his own thing. And that makes this serious because practicing your own tradition will not help you 
and will not save you unless you put your things down and follow what the scripture is saying. Two things I will say can irritate people to react. First is when you insult people. Nobody wants to be insulted. If you insult people, the people become very upset and they will react angrily. And the second point is telling the truth, telling religious truth against someone who is practicing something different. If you use the Bible to tell people that this is what the scripture says, because they are practicing otherwise, they'll become very angry. And sometimes people will not even finish listening to you and they will either turn their radio off or television off or even, you know, close the channel and go away. Because they find it offensive when you say something that go against their religion. I know how faith is so strong. And this is not the first time these things are happening. In those days when Jesus was preaching, many of the Jews found Jesus preaching as very offensive. And they started insulting him, castigating a lot of things on him, saying that uh, is he even, you know, using, uh, 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 what do you call it, uh, devil to perform all these kind of uh, miracles that was doing. And because of this, they helped to kill Jesus, crucify Jesus, that the Jews. The Jews were very, very religious. But why is it that they ascended onto the killing of our Lord Jesus Christ? Because what Jesus was saying, which is the word of God that Jesus was presenting to them, they found it offensive. Why? Because they were practicing the opposite. Paul is the same. To the extent that Paul have to say in Galatians chapter 4 verse 16 that because I told you the truth, I'm now become your enemy. His own Jewish people, when he told them about Christianity, because they don't agree with Christianity, they became offended and tried to stone Paul to death. Today, the same thing is happening. When you point something in the Bible to a believer, to a, somebody calling himself or herself a Christian, and if his practice or her practice in the church is different from what you are saying, he becomes offended. But I have two good examples in the scriptures. Whereby, there are some people, when they heard the message, though they didn't like the message, but I want you to get the approach, the way they approach things. First, are the Jews that Paul met in the town called Burial. 
these uh, Jewish people, Paul says they were noble. Why? Because they received the message and search the scriptures to see that what they receive is accurate and right. Though the Jewish people did not like Christianity because they thought that Christianity is opposing their religion, their tradition and their practices. So they did not like it at all. So when Paul went to Thessalonica to preach same, same Jesus, the Jewish there in Thessalonica caused uproar, started to, you know, beat uh, 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 Paul and the co-workers and drove them away from that town or the city. So when Paul came to burial here and saw that these Jewish people, the same Jewish people, but these people, they are understanding people. Paul told them a lot of things, but they did not become, though they, they were not happy because the, the thing that Paul was saying, you know, was against their practice, they against their religion. But they did not fight Paul back. The Bible says they accept the message and search the scriptures to find out if what they heard was right. So that's a good example. An example number two I will give you is found in Acts chapter 2, verse 36 to 38. When Peter on the Pentecost day preached to a number of Jews and said to them that, You people crucify our Lord Jesus Christ. But he did nothing wrong. If you tell a Jew this, you become very, very offensive. Because one, they didn't want to hear anything about Jesus Christ at all. Let alone you accusing them that they kill him. So if you read verse 37 in Acts chapter 2, when they heard this from Peter, they were pricked in their heart. That is what the Bible, you know, described it. They were pricked in their heart. It means the message that came to them was a thought-provoking message. Something that provoked the, 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 uh, them. But what was their reaction? They asked Peter and the rest of the apostles. Verse 37 says, And they asked Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Now, my fellow listeners, my brothers and sisters whom I love, sometimes when you hear something from the Word of God, don't get angry. But trying to behave as the Jews in burial, who, upon hearing the Word, went back to do research, to look into the Scriptures to find out, though the things they heard, were something that against the way they practice. But he still said the scriptures to find out if what they are hearing was right. But in Acts chapter 2, these Jewish people, also upon hearing the message, humbly asked Peter and the rest of the apostles, what shall we do? 
And Peter told them what they should do. Having said this, my brothers and sisters, I want us to go straight to our blessing today. We're talking about the Holy Spirit and the things that the, uh, the Holy Spirit did with the early Christians. Now, I want all of you to note this. And what I want you to note is that speaking in tongues and miracle that the that was performed in Acts chapter 2 were done solely by the apostles. Only the 12 apostles did miracle and also spoke in tongues in Acts chapter 2. You ask me, what are you telling me? What are you saying? You go to Acts chapter 1, read Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, you'll understand what I'm saying. Sometimes people make wrong, erroneous statements that the Holy Spirit fell upon everybody that was uh, on the Pentecost day, everybody that came there. That is what the Pentecostals and the Charismatists are, you know, teaching. Is this right? If you go into Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, you see that chapter 1, Jesus has engaged his apostles. And this time, they are 11 because one is dead. Remember, Judas Iscariot died. So, the, the apostles are now 11. And Jesus promised them that they are going to receive the Holy Spirit. And when the Spirit comes on them, as chapter 1, verse uh, uh, 8, they will be his witnesses. Listen to that. It's under everybody that Jesus told them. And they will be his witnesses from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then throughout the world. And then when you come read down, you see that when Jesus was lifted up onto heaven, the apostles went to Jerusalem and joined the other disciples. And their number totaled 120. And in the 120, they brought two people forward and says that the apostleship has to continue because the Lord Jesus selected 12 apostles. Now one is dead. So we need one to replace Judas who has turned everything upside down. And then they chose a man called Matthias. Now we will come back to how Matthias was chosen to be numbered among them before they started everything in Acts chapter 2. So in Acts chapter 2 verse 1 and 2, scripture says, On the Pentecost day, they have gathered in a house. Who are the day? The apostles. They are now 12 because Matthias has been added to them. And the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And then they started speaking in tongues and doing some wonders. So only the twelve had this power 
to speak in tongues and also uh, uh, perform wonders. And we will we'll use some, you know, biblical quotation to back what I'm saying. One thing I want you to understand that is that speaking in tongues is not gibberish. When we say gibberish, it's like a child trying to learn, you know, how to speak and start to say mama 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 da 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 and start to you know making some meaningless you know statements or meaningless something that has no meaning that's called gibberish but speaking in tongues is a spoken language as i'm speaking to you in english now speaking in tongues is a language that somebody it called somebody's mother tongue the language that somebody speaks, that is what the apostles spoke in chapter 2. Again, it wasn't gibberish because they spoke their language even to the amaze of the people. They say that, are all these people speaking not Galileans? As chapter 2, verse 7, why is it that we can hear them that they use our own mother tongue to speak to us? And he started by mentioning a number of, you know, people from other nations that have gathered there. People from Egypt, people from Libya, people from Asia, people from Arabia. They mentioned them. About 16 to 17 nations have gathered there. And all these people, they have their own languages. But the apostles were able to speak those languages. So speaking in tongues... Is speaking a language but not making empty noises to say that this is what a speaking in tongue means the the, the 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 people themselves are testified to this and they said why is it that we can hear them speaking our own language to tell us the great things about God Acts chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. So when you come down to 14, and prior to 14, the people say, well, probably these people are drunk. That is why they are able to speak our own language. The question is, if somebody is drunk, can he speak different language? I mean, we know that uh, influence of alcohol can make your, you know, your, your speech slurred. But what you are saying is not different language. You are speaking your own language. Just that because you are being influenced by drug, it makes your speech slurred. But what the, uh, the apostle spoke in Acts chapter 2 is a spoken language. So Peter, upon hearing this, stood up with the rest of the eleven, those who were speaking in tongues. So if you go to verse 14, the scripture said, Peter and the rest of the uh, apostles, the eleven, stood up and said, Men and brethren, we are not drunk as you think. Because looking at the time now, nobody is going to be drunk at this time. But this is what the prophet Joel said. And this is what you are seeing today. What did the prophet Joel say? In the latter times, God is going to pour his spirit upon all flesh. Some people hearing this uh, a prophecy is thinking that in the latter times, he's talking to our time. No, 
The latter time starts from the time that Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross. From the cross coming, they call it the latter time. That is why Peter said, this is what Joel said in the latter time, it will come to pass. And this is what you see. So Joel's prophecy is not coming on our time. It's already taking place in Peter's time. That's what Peter said. Go back and read your scripture well. If somebody is trying to say that I'm doing wonders, I'm performing, and then you refer you, uh, Joel said he's going to pour his spirit upon all flesh. So that is what you see from me. That is wrong. You don't understand the scriptures. Peter said, this is what you see. This is what uh, uh, Joel said. So, having said this, let's continue our lesson. We have established that only the 12 apostles spoke in tongues because Luke recorded uh, uh, Luke who was a disciple was following the apostles everywhere they went and recorded all the things that the apostles did so in us the book of us it was Luke who wrote the whole book he recorded what happened in Acts chapter 2 and Luke made it clear that it was the apostles who spoke in tongues and did these miracles. Nothing else, nothing more. Now in Acts chapter 2, I'm talking about, and Acts chapter 3, Luke recorded the event in Acts chapter 2, stating that the apostles had power to do wonders. Now, if we read, Acts chapter 2, verse 43, I'm reading from the uh, ESV. It says, And all came upon every soul, and wonders and signs were being done by the apostles or through the apostles. If everyone that came to this event, that is the Pentecost event, had this miraculous gift, why is it that Luke is saying it's only the apostles that, you know, perform wonders and signs? It's a question you have to ask yourself. So this defeats this erroneous impression that everybody had it and they all started speaking in tongues and doing wonders. That is not true. Luke says the apostles, they did wonders and they did signs because the Holy Spirit was using them. Now, if we come to Acts chapter 3, we know there was a great miracle that happened there. Peter and John were going to the temple, and then they saw a man who is lame, sitting outside begging for alms. They asked Peter and John if they, you know, uh, uh, could get them something. If they could get him something. But Peter and John had something which is better than the money that this man was expecting from them. What is it? Peter hold the hand of this man and said, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, stand up. And this guy immediately. Now, I want you to understand the miraculous healing that time and what is happening today on our televisions 
And the people sitting in Ghana saying that they are doing miracles. The difference. Look at the difference. Instant. This man stood up. And all these paralysis went away. And they started jumping and praising God. Who did this? It's an apostle. It's an apostle that did it. Now when we come to Acts chapter 5. Verse 12. And I'm reading. Luke record and says. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. Many people in Acts chapter 5, in Acts chapter 2, only the apostles did it. Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 4. And then Acts chapter 5, Luke recalls that. Many people did some wonders, but without apostles' hands, no way. He said many people did the wonders through the hands of the apostles. Which means, first we say that only the apostles were speaking in tongues and doing wonders. And now we've seen that some people have come to play, but they are doing it through the hands. Apostles have to lay their hands on them before they can do it. So, what is it telling you? Can you perform miracle without the apostles' hands? No. No. So, this is going to let you know what is going on today and what the apostles did then. Now, we're going to establish a certain fact. We are going to see three categories of people who receive the Holy Spirit and started to perform miracles and speaking in tongues. Three categories. The first category is the apostles. The apostles in the Acts chapter 2, we have already established they did perform miracles and also spoke in tongues. Now, the apostles got the Holy Spirit direct. The Holy Spirit coming upon them in Acts chapter 2 verse 1 and 2 or verse 1 to 4. We see that the Holy Spirit came upon them direct. So first, let's see who is an apostle. We've heard so many people sitting in Ghana and some other countries saying that I am apostle, reverend apostle, uh, minister apostle, doctor, doctor apostle. The question is who is an apostle and how is an apostle selected? That is what we have to, you know, establish now. The first thing you have to understand is Jesus Christ selected only 12 apostles 12 apostles nothing more now these people jesus has reason for selecting these 12 because we will use the scripture to establish why they were 12 so first that is what you have to understand so if you call yourself an apostle you must be 
within this number 12. If you are not within this number 12, and you are sitting here today and saying you are an apostle, please, please, maybe uh, you like that title and you are taking it, but you are not an apostle, according to the scripture. Number two, before somebody can be selected as an apostle, he has to physically see Jesus Christ and have some encounter with Jesus. If you are not seeing Jesus Christ or have an encounter with Jesus Christ, you cannot be an apostle. So another criteria to select, the first criteria to select an apostle is that the person must see Jesus himself. We will use the scripture to back it. And then the third point is, he has to be selected by Jesus himself. So Jesus will hold your hands and say, I have chosen or I have selected this man to be my apostles. If we don't, and Jesus, you know, he doesn't do it, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, I mean, he doesn't do it, uh, he, he, he always that is in open. People will see that this man is actually selected by Jesus. It's not that he, he does it uh, in darkness or uh, undercover. No. Jesus, when you are selected as an apostle, Jesus mentioned your name. And if you look at the way he chose them, selected Peter, mentioned his name, come and follow me, all the twelve, Jesus called them, and said, you are going to make a fishers of man for me. So, Jesus himself chose the apostles. Now, if we read John chapter 6, the first point I want us to establish. I said 12. If you read John chapter 6, verse 70 to 71. Jesus said, answered them and said, Did I not choose you the twelve? And yet, one of you is the devil. Jesus make it plain. So I, I did choose you. I chose you, the twelve. It's not Peter who offered himself. Or because you want to follow Jesus. But Jesus himself chose them. So Jesus said, did I not choose you, the twelve, but one of you is devil? He was referring to uh, um, Judas. Now, that's the first point I want us to establish that Jesus selected only 12. Point number two. Let's see. When Judas left the apostleship and died, Jesus still required the number 12. So, they have to select somebody to replace Judas so that that number will be entered and then they start the work that Jesus is sending them to, you know, do. And the person they selected was Matthias. And I want us to read Acts chapter 1, verse 21 to 26. Please listen carefully and see how Matthias was chosen. I want you to mark down the criteria in which 
this man was selected as an apostle. And listen, here Peter is saying, and here Luke is recording. So, one of the men, this is Peter. So, one of the men who have accompanied us. Us means we the apostles. The apostles were 11 here. One of the men who has accompanied us during all the time that our Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up of us, uh, from us. Do you now see the criteria? One of the men who was moving to and fro with Jesus Christ, who saw Jesus Christ beginning from the day Jesus was baptized until the day he ascended on to heaven. One of them should be selected to be an apostle. Why? Because the apostleship is to go and witness. And you can't witness something that you, you yourself you did not see. Let me tell you, we Christians today, we are not witnesses. I know there's a church called Jehovah's Witnesses. No, you can't be a witness to something that your eyes did not see. The apostles, Jesus selected them to go and be my witnesses because they saw everything that Jesus did. That is why Peter is saying that the person must be someone who has seen Jesus. That's what Peter is saying. And let's continue. Let's continue. One of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And then he continued saying that. And then they prayed and said. Now they brought two people forward. From among the 120 people that, uh, 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 that were meeting in that upper chamber. And out of this 120, they have these two standing in front of them. So they prayed and said, when the two came forward, they prayed and said, and listen to the prayer very carefully. I said that Jesus Christ had to choose you before you can become an, uh, 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 an apostle. And I'm using this to back it. Listen here. And they prayed and said, you Lord, they are addressing Jesus here. You Lord, you know the heart of all. Show which of these two you have chosen to take the place in the ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. What did they say? God, show us these two people, which one you have selected to be numbered among the apostles so that he can take the place of Judas. Why is it that Peter did not uh, you know, appoint anybody to say that, well, Judas is not there, so you come. Peter cannot do that. It's Lord himself who selects somebody to be an apostle. So if you are sitting in this 20th century or 21st century saying that you are an apostle, then you might be selected by our Lord Jesus Christ. And if that is impossible today, that Jesus holds somebody's hand and say that this is the person I've chosen, 
then you must tell us or come again where you got your apostleship from.